Welcome into That's the Truth. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you back for a fresh new episode. I am Jay Gallegos, and it is my pleasure once again to bring to you fresh content. My goal is to help you get one step closer in your journey and further along in becoming who God has intended you to be one step at a time so you can be effective and make an impact in every area of your life. If you are new to the podcast, we release a new episode bi-weekly. We typically post in the form of a teaching early in the month, followed by a conversation with the guest on the next episode. And a big thank you to everyone who has shared the podcast on social media or by word of mouth. That really helps extend the reach of this platform. We want to reach and help as many people as we can. If this is helpful to you in any way, you have the opportunity to reach and impact others by sharing the podcast so they can learn and grow along with us. And well, in this episode, I had a fantastic conversation with Pastor Ulysses Longoria, and it was truly an honor and privilege to have him on the podcast. He is leading a Spanish church called Nueva Vida, which means new life here in Houston, Texas. And five years ago, he launched a new church plant on the east side of Houston, and he shares his passion for helping people and adding value to others through the gospel. He talks with us about how the church became what it is now and the opposition they faced early on, but also how they overcame those obstacles. We talk about the struggles of leading young church growth and how to be kingdom minded, along with so much more. In the description below, you will find some links where you can connect with Pastor Ulysses. And once again, it is a pleasure to invite you into another conversation, and this time with Pastor Ulysses Longoria. Pastor Ulysses Longoria, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We've been looking forward to having you on, and it is a pleasure and honor to have you on this platform. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, sir. Yes, sir. It, it is my pleasure to, to be on here for you and with you and, and just to be able to have an opportunity to share what God has done in our lives. So thank you, sir. Thank you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And uh, I, I thought I felt that it was very important to get you on and to talk to you a little bit about your vision, about church planting and your testimony, just simply because there's so much power behind that. And the first time that we spoke, uh, I could feel your passion and I could feel your your, your, your burden and, and the vision was very, very clear when we spoke uh, about how you began the church, Nueva Vida, Spanish church out of Northeast Houston. Is that correct? Um, East Houston. East Houston. Okay. So this is the first time on this platform that we've had anybody on talking about church planting and talking about um, the early stages and in depth and in detail about church planting and everything that that entails so it is truly an honor to have you on and uh, i know you have a burden and a passion for for souls and for for soul winning and for the for the kingdom of god and for church planting and expansion and um but, but before we get into any of that you know let's talk about you for a little bit i am very interested in in uh getting your testimony and uh first i guess we can begin here and uh, you could talk to us about how did you get involved in general with the church and with Jesus and where did your walk with Jesus begin? Praise the Lord. Well, thank you. Thank you brother, for the opportunity. Um, well, first of all, my journey with the Lord uh, started about 12 years ago. Um, came to the church at one point and uh, the Lord filled me with the presence of, of his wonderful spirit. But you know, when I was younger, I did, I did go to church uh, with my mom. We went to an apostolic church, and you know, we had the truth of oneness and baptism in Jesus' name. But uh, as we grew up and 
you know, just drew apart from the church, um, was out pretty much lost in the world for a couple of years until uh, I felt the calling from God, you know, through hardship that I was going through in my life. Um, two years prior in 2007, my mom passed uh, for liver, uh, liver cirrhosis of the liver. And one of the things that uh, she always wanted me to to do was to get baptized in Jesus' name. You know, she she had came back to the church. She got filled with the Holy Ghost, and she she was just fervent. She was just really really loving God, and she was into the church. And uh, unfortunately, her her ministry and her life was cut short through a sickness. And I just remember at one point, you know, when uh, she was at church and. She just told me she wanted me to get baptized in Jesus' name. Um, and I told her uh, at that point in time, I said, well, uh, I'll be baptized when my heart is well and ready. And, you know, I come to realize now that we're never going to be ready. Yeah. We're never we're never going to realize our, our heart is, is never going to be truly there. We just have to be obedient to the word. So she passed on. I, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't perceive or didn't continue the path. And um, two years later, after a lot of hardship in the world and, you know, a lot of downfalls and uh, a lot of situations, circumstances in my life that truly I felt that I had no purpose. There was really nothing out there for me. You know, it just seemed like it was a, a repetitive thing you know, being, being in the clubs and, you know, seeking for a uh, momentaneous, momentous um, pleasure, I guess you would say, you know, just, yeah. or, or just a pleasure that definitely is just momentaneous. But when, when all of a sudden I felt uh, just a need, you know, to, to seek for something more, I just knew there was something more out there for me that I just wasn't really understanding what that was. And I just remembered that there was a church that my mom always went to and everybody was always very loving and everybody was always very caring. And at one point in time, you know, they wanted me to be part of the church, but, you know, being a young man and, you know, being involved with uh, not the right um, people, basically. Um, drew me away from the church, but just uh, remember having to come to church. Uh, it was a, actually a, a February 14, if I'm not mistaken. It was a time of love, and really, you know, uh, as human beings, we always seek for love. We always seek to be accepted. We always seek to uh, be part of something, and being a person out there that was always a part of something, was always a leader amongst my friends, you know, is always uh, striving to be up front of things. And, you know, I just felt that, you know, the church was a place that maybe I can get what I was needing. And I was in, in search of love and I was in search of looking for a purpose for my life. And uh, I remember going to church that uh, one Sunday evening and I just kind of went in with a with a mindset saying whatever happens happens. Uh, I didn't really expect to receive the Holy Ghost that day, but you know I was really hesitant 
um, you know, because I was invited the first time by my sister, uh, who was a member of the church, she called me, invited me to church. I didn't want to go. Then I got a second call uh, from an aunt of mine saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm go to your sister's church, and you know, would you like to go?" I just remember saying, "Well, you know what? If you're gonna go, then fine, I'll, I'll definitely go." So I just remember that day that I'd gone to church and pastor was was preaching on Holy Ghost and receiving the blessing of the Holy Ghost. And I just remember, you know, going through the Bible, you know, mind you, I've never, never had opened a Bible, never had I really researched any of the Bible verses, never had I, you know, really handled the Bible. But that day I handled the Bible as a champ. And I think that that was just the Lord that was working through me. And, you know, I was able to understand the preaching and the sermon, you know, that pastor was given that day. And I just remember that day, as soon as he finished preaching, he said, does anybody want to receive the blessing? You know, come to surprise to my aunts, you know, because they knew me as, you know, the party goer, the, the clubber, you know, the yeah. fighter, you know, the gun carrying team that was always getting into trouble. You know, as soon as uh, the pastor said, hey, who wants to receive that blessing? All I remember is just my hand was up in the air. I said, I want to receive that blessing. I remember standing up and he said, hey, we'll come on to the front. You know, I remember going to the altar and uh, repentance. And, you know, after the prayer repentance, we started, you know, just to worship the Lord. I closed my eyes and, you know, behold, the Lord came and got a hold of me through, you know, one of the ministers placing his hands on me. And I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow. And just as, as, as I felt something come on me, you know, as I felt the presence of the Lord just come on me and definitely it was an experience that I have never felt in my whole entire life. It was just, it was a life changing experience that impacted my life to this day. And by this time you're about how old? I was 20 years old. 20 years old. What happened next after? You were filled with the Holy Ghost. Definitely uh, 10 months later after, you know, receiving the Holy Ghost, uh, I became the youth pastor for the church. You know, I, um, I remember helping the youth, the current youth pastor at that time. And I just, I just felt very passionate for the young people because I felt like, you know, as young people, we always strive to seek to be a part of something to, to, yeah. to really you know, find a purpose for our lives. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that and being very transparent. So you began working as a youth pastor and reaching and impacting young people, I assume. And did you always see yourself uh, working in youth ministry? Did you see yourself uh, at any point in ministry whenever you were, uh, before you came in and got baptized, was there any moment where you felt God tugging at your heart and maybe you pushing away? Before uh, before receiving the Holy Ghost, yes, there was certain point, uh, certain points in my life that I felt that you know, um, it's just one of those things that you just can't explain, you right. know. But only that the Lord can get to you. You know, you you have a vision for uh, youth youth ministry. Uh, I remember one time, you know, before coming to the Lord, before receiving the Holy Ghost, I was laying in my bed trying to find purpose. All of a sudden, a thought came to my head you know, leading the youth. And 
you know, when I received the Holy Ghost, it just seemed like that passion just came so, so uh, heavily upon me that I just felt that I had to work with the youth. I had to work with uh, with with ministry, you know, in general to, to try to uh, just reach people and talk to them about Jesus. I just remember receiving the Holy Ghost, trying to get people in the church. I was trying to pack the church, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you definitely have the passion and, and the drive for it. I love your energy. Whenever I visited your church uh, about a year ago now, uh, you could just, just being around you, you know, just very, very life-giving, you know, just being around you, you, you just resonate this, you know, life and energy, and, and it's very exciting. So talk to me a little bit about when you started to feel the, the passion and the vision and the, this idea of beginning the church well, the to begin with, to be very truthful, you know, I had, um, you know, a lot of people um, might not understand, but you know, I had a uh, three times. Uh, definitely, it was it was uh, prophesied to me. One being, uh, uh, you know, one of our greatest pastors uh, known, you know, and he, he, I remember he coming to church at one time, uh, Pastor Kilgore. And I remember him preaching and, you know, prophetized over me and, and told me about being a pastor. He said, you're going to be a pastor. Um, be very truthful to you. I, I always had a passion for ministry, you know, and it was told me, to me I was going to be a pastor, but I never really, really thought about, you know, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. And, you know, my thought was, how am I going to be a pastor? You know, never... You know, I don't have the experience. Uh, I'm too young. And, you know, usually you always see ministers and, and you see them and, and they're older and they're experienced and they've had many years in the church. And, you know, you would always hear those preachers saying, oh, I've been 12 or 13 or 30 years in, in, the, in the path of the yeah. Lord. And you say, how is that possible? I'm going to be able to get there. But, you know, to be very truthful, um, I knew I was going to be a pastor because it was, it was told to me, but I really didn't know how. One of the things that, uh, you know, sparked that, um, that uh, church startup or uh, you would say uh, basically what, what, what pushed us out there was I feel that it was basically the Lord. Um, there's a saying that, you know, was told to me and I hold it here dear to my heart. Um, one of the sisters says there's a, the, a, tr a leaf never falls from a tree if God doesn't permit it. So basically saying, you know, God has everything in store and sometimes, uh, we have to kind of stumble or sometimes we have to fall and, uh, and, and to be able to produce life. And, you know, as the seed dies and, you know, gives fruit. And I feel like sometimes we have to fall away from the tree in order to be able to, to be able to fulfill the calling that God has called upon us. And it's really, I think, a, a calling from God and more than anything that has to push you and drive you to be able to do what God is, is pushing you to do. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where you really felt a burden and a passion to do it? You felt a calling, but was there ever a moment where you, you were hesitant or maybe just kind of procrastinated in the beginning or in the initiative? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I remember, I remember clearly at one point, you know, where, um, I was sitting in church and pastoring 
I mean, ministering. And after I got done ministering, uh, I remember sitting in the chair and, and as service was going on, you know, it came to my mind, you know, saying, you know, I'm never going to pastor here. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And to be very truthful, it, it is a little scary because, you know, you, you're, you're going into territories you've never been before and, you know, given to be a person that didn't really grow up fully in, in ministry. You know, you just don't know what to expect. You don't really know um, what to do. You don't know how to start because you just hear so many testimonies. You just hear so many stories and, you know, you hear a lot of the hardship that pastors go through and, you know, church startups. And it just it is a little hesitant. And you just kind of want to just prefer to kind of take it easy and just sit at church yeah, and just yeah. do what you do, you know? Absolutely. But definitely, definitely it's, it's kind of scary. But when you have the Lord with you, anything can be possible. Yeah. And that's where your faith really kicks in. And I wish that, you know, I wish I could say that that goes away, but just from hearing your story and my experience also, I see that whenever it comes to any type of leadership or any type of when it comes to leading people, leading a congregation or leading anything that has to do with leadership in general, and you can you can find a context for it and you'll notice that there's a lot of similarities. And what I'm saying is that when it comes to leadership, oftentimes you really don't know the next step. You don't know what's around the corner until you go around the corner and you don't know how far you can really go until you start moving. And God begins to reveal the path and reveal his presence and reveal, you know, his, his, uh, his, his favor over that mission or over that, uh, over that work, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, in this case, church planting. So I would say that that never really goes away because perfect example would be the pandemic. Who knows how to manage that? Who, who knew that that was coming? Who knew that that was going to be in our way? And here we are having to lead through that for now over over two years. And, you know, hopefully now we're at the end of it or on the clear. But who who would have thought that that was going to be around the corner? So I wish that I could say that that goes away. But in leadership, that never does. So now you you felt the, the vision to begin. You felt the passion, the burden to, to, to reach the community. And now you find yourself in East Houston. How talk to me about the process of selecting the location for the church? To be very truthful to you, it's it's kind of like I mentioned earlier. It, it's something that you kind of stumble upon it. You know, it's it feels like um, you know, kind of when Moses was out, you know, pastoring, he, he just he he stumbled upon the presence of the Lord, and you know the Lord spoke to him and, and gave him direction and gave him his calling to be very truthful to you, brother. I, when we decided uh, to part ways from where we were, you know, we had to make a decision as a family and it was mostly my family and I, which was my sister, uh, my brother and his, uh, and his wife. And, you know, basically seven of us, just a family. Um, you know, we're, we're, we live in the East Houston area. And one of the things that I've learned is, you know, definitely you can't really, you know, 
want to work in an area if you live as far as from it. And one of the things that always drew me back to this area was number one, you know, I was I was raised in this area. You know, a lot of the friends that I've had before, a lot of the people that I know, a lot of the people that I grew up with live in this area. So to me, it was uh, basically a no-brainer to say, you know what, this is the area that I want to go back to because this is where God took me out from. And this is where I feel that God needs to take me in. Yeah. You know, and this is where I feel God is calling me to, you know, never... You know, I would I would be, you know, uh, overselling it and telling you that, you know, I, I looked at the community, I calculated the numbers and, you know, saw how many churches you know, didn't really see that. You know, yeah. when, when we started, we started basically because we just wanted to have prayer. We wanted to uh, seek the guidance of the Lord as to what God wanted to do with us. You know, or if we were going to serve in another church, you know, to do whatever God wanted to do. But, you know, I think that we took a, a decision as a family. We started to have that first Sunday service in a two bedroom apartment. You know, as a two bedroom apartment, it was seven people. We were crowded in there. Um, and then the, the next week, you know, went from seven to 13 members, you know, and in a month's time, you know, we were able to gather funds, you know, from our tithings and offerings that, you know, we started to look for a church. Um, you know, we, we were praying, Lord, guide us to where you want us to go, you know, and it kind of reminds me as the people of Israel, how they find themselves in the desert and the Lord is guiding them, you know, in their every way. And just as the Lord is guiding them where he wanted them to go, you know, that's kind of what happened with us. I just remember going to look for churches. We were we were already, you know, ready to give a down payment to wherever the Lord guided us to. You know, we went to go seek at a church uh, in the neighborhood where I grew up in, which is the neighborhood we are in now. And we just said, this is the neighborhood we're going to work in. This is where we're going to be. We grew up here and we're going to try to reach the people in this neighborhood because I feel that, you know, that burden for, you know, the people that I grew up with. and. I just remember coming, we, were, we were going out there and uh, all of a sudden we went to a church and they said, no, well, we already rented out, you know, the service in the afternoon. There's no more space. There's no more timing. Um, so we were kind of, you know, pushed away. And I just remember, you know, we, we kind of regrouped and we went to the place we are now. And, you know, we, we were just regrouping there. And all of a sudden we just started looking around and we just say, you know, what about this area? You know, you know, it's a it's a good road. It's a it's a it's a path where a lot of people drive through and you know, it's next to the freeway. And next thing you know, is uh, we, we called uh, the location manager or the owner and, you know, they said, you're you're just in luck. He said, uh, you know, I have a unit opening up and, you know, well, for what you want to do, it's perfect. And, you know, it just kind of fell through. It's just one thing after another. It just started kind of putting itself into place. And I remember going two days later uh, into to seeing the location where the church is located now. And, you know, it was already somewhat fixed up. I had two nice offices. You know, everything else was pretty much needed to be worked. But, you know, we saw it and he was very uh, flexible with, with you know, uh, with the money. And, you know, he gave us even time to, to pay. I mean, he, he just said, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I just feel that, you know, something about you that I just feel like I want to help you. 
And, you know, he, to this day, he's been faithful. He, he's uh, never raised a rent on us, never has done anything for us. And, yeah. you know, one of the greatest things now is that his wife actually, you know, belongs to the United Pentecostal Church. And wow. she's visited us. She's visited us lately. And she just recently called me and, uh, you know, she goes up north to care to care for family. But then every time she comes down, you know, she wants to be part of our church. And, yeah. you know, as she said, Pastor, you know, I don't know why, but I just feel a burden for your church. And I can see that, you know, you're, you're a man with vision. You're a man that has a calling from God. And I just want to be part of your church. And, you know, you just you just don't always know just like you said what's going to happen in the future only god can foretell that and you know sometimes he kind of pushes you in areas and i think that that's part of uh what it is as sometimes we just kind of have to be pushed you know by the lord uh, in order to be able to succeed it's kind of like the ego no right you know kind of the ego has to be pushed out of the nest in order to be able to learn how to fly and you know i felt like maybe that was the way that everything that happened and the way that things worked themselves out was God's way of pushing me out of a nest, pushing me out of my comfort zone, pushing me out to to really fulfill a calling uh, in my life. And, you know, we just kind of started flying and, you know, stumbled a- across this place. And, you know, further down the line, you know, God has blessed us and, you know, has been real good to us in this community. And we've been able to just uh uh, serve the community very greatly. Thanks yeah. to the Lord. There's so much there when you t- mention the ego and the illustration with that. And as we stumble, you know, even at, you can have the calling, you can have a vision. And as you're stumbling through it, the more that you stumble through it, the more you realize that not only that God is just with you, but you realize and you, you receive the affirmation that it's from God is not just you. And there's something about that, that that God really works with people where we're stumbling through things that we don't know. And through faith and through our obedience and our faithfulness, we see God move and do the things that only he can do. I don't know what it is about that, but I see that that similarity with so many different stories and testimonies, but there's so much there and you could, you could break down a message just about that in itself. And then that would be very inspiring. So the church is about five years in now and from the moment that you began and the moment that you decided to launch, so now you find yourself in day one. You know, talk to me a little bit about the overall experience, what you expected and what you saw. To be very truthful, the day one to me was very exciting. You know, we didn't know what to expect, to be very truthful. We, we were just excited to, to do church. We were just excited to start off on a new journey uh, or a new chapter of our life. And, you know, that first service, we organized the service, you know, from day one. Usually, you know, you, you, you start off services and, you know, you just don't know how to formalize things. You know, I, I give thanks to the Lord for the experience that I had prior and the and the, you know, the fact that I was able to learn a lot under the ministry that uh, the Lord called me under that as soon as we started day one, we, we, we started, even though it was a two bedroom apartment and we were in the living room and there's sofas all over the place and there's the kitchen, you know, it's a real small, small uh, apartment, you know, but we, it's kind of like you, you visualize it and you can, you can, you can see it, that it, it has a potential. 
And just that day one, we formalized everything and had service and organized it as if it was a original a church service and a church building uh, and everything. We had, you know, worship. And then we had, we started with a Bible verse. We worshiped the Lord after that. We praised him, you know, and, um, you know, the, the preaching came on, the offering. It was just a full-blown service in a small uh, two-bedroom apartment. And after service, we were just, I don't know, it was just so happy. We were so happy. We felt free. We felt like, you know, there was there was a purpose behind what we were doing. And what I've learned through the course of time, and as I've learned as a minister and as I've been um, been able to see, is that we, we have to have vision. We have to be able to see the small things grow. It's kind of like a, a, you know, a small company owner. He starts small but he can see, you know, a huge company, you know, at that point in time, we can see the potential that uh, we could become. And we just decided to trust the Lord uh, to guide us. But I got to be very honest with you is it was the most exciting experience, even though it's just family, you know, afterwards we were able to have, you know, just a a couple of uh, feet. We started feasting together. We had food, we had everything. It's just something so beautiful that I, I kid you not, I, uh, I I would never forget that first service. And I even have pictures of that first service that, you know, just, just every time I go back to that, you know, reminds me where we came from. And, you know, it humbles me down and lets me know, you know what, you know, no matter how high we reach, we always have to remember where we came from because, yeah. You know, you, you, you no matter how high you go, you have to understand that God is the one who's guiding you. He's leading you and he's giving you that vision. He's the one who's putting that desire in your heart. He's the one who's guiding your footsteps and, and always know that it's God, the one doing everything in your life. And, and it's, it's never you. It's never us. We're, we're just vessels that God wants to use, you know, but it, it was the most exciting experience. And, and I recommend Whoever wants to start a church, you know, always, you know, start from the beginning, you know, always see yourself, you know, as you, you want to be the potential that you want to become uh, or the church that you want to become always uh, envision that. And one thing I've learned through the course of the years is you always have to visualize yourself as a bigger church. If you're a small church, you have to see yourself as a big church. If you're a big church, you have to see yourself as a giant church. I mean, it's just the vision that you have, that's that's to where God's going to take you. You know, if you limit your vision, then you, you limit your growth uh, as far as what I've, what I've been able to experience. Man, that's good. That is really good. And when you talk about vision, you know, even even the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about you know, how calling things out and calling them, um, you know, as they were, you know, the things that are not calling them as they were and the vision in itself, when you look at it in that context, calling things out and seeing things as what they could be, that applies to every area of our life, not just necessarily what well, it, it applies in leadership. But if you're not leading a church, you're not leading an organization, you're not leading, let's say in your job, you're leading your family. And you have to see your kids, for example, what could they be? What are the attributes in them? And that's something that I'm learning right now because my kids are still young, but I'm trying to, to focus different areas in my life and applying that concept 
you know, what it, what is it that I see now and what is it that it could be? And man, there's so much there. There's so much that, um, that you could break that down in itself. So talking about the church in the early days in the Bible, you know, the apostles saw a lot of opposition and there was a lot of challenges. You know, what is something that you would, that you can share from your experience early on an opposition that you encountered? Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, oppositions are, are a must. Um, I think that a lot of the oppos- oppositions and a lot of the trials and the tribulations that we go through are meant to make us stronger and more dependent on the Lord, Lord first of all. You know, some of the oppositions that we came across was number one, you know, who's, who's this young man? And, you know, he's too young to, to be a pastor, you know, to, to really come into a, um, you know, a, a foundation or a structure where, you know, you always see the same ministers, you know, all the time you see the leadership and you strive to be like them. You, you desire to be like them and, you know, you, you just want to imitate them um, and imitate their faith. And, you know, you want to put it into work. And sometimes number one, one of the, one of the number one oppositions that I've had was, you know, my age. Um, When I started pastoring was 20, I was 27 years old. Um, And a lot of people, you know, when they see a pastor, the vision of a pastor is usually uh, an older gentleman. You know, he's got gray hairs, you know, and, yeah. you know, he's got experience. That's what a lot of people see. And that's what a lot of people, um, you know, kind of set their mindset to. You're a pastor. Wow, you're young. Um, you know, and sometimes it's difficult because you, you try to lead a flock. You're trying to lead a congregation. You know, and sometimes it's people that are older than you. And um, one of the things that they always uh, you come across is like, you know, I'm old enough to be your father. Uh, and you're telling me to, you know, do this or do that, you know. It's, and, you know, it just reminds me how Apostle Paul, you know, tells uh, uh, Timothy, you know, yeah. to exhort, you know, with love and to exhort the elders as if their fathers, you know, as your uh, the younger, their brothers and, and sisters. And, you know, it's just exhorting, you know, just do it with the loving passion. But that was number one. The opposition that I, that I came across was, you know, inexperience. Uh, you're too young. You know, what are you going to tell me um, that that can be, you know, sometimes uh discouraging because you say well you know you're trying lord but you know it's just one thing after another but definitely that's number one and number two um you know we 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 had a bit of a a battle uh in a situation that you know pertained to me and my ministry my licensing and you know is it was uh uh something that kind of came under fire and you know, the situation, you know, really uh, took place for about five years, you know, and uh, for about five years, I really, or four years, I had to try to prove my ministry, you know, and to kind of prove, because one of the things you find across is that there's always, you're always going to be uh, a light on, basically. There, there's always going to be people that are going to bring a false testimony. Uh, there's always going to be uh, situations where, um, you know, um, people are always going to see or going to think that you're naive and, you know, things of that nature. But for four years, we really did struggle to prove our ministry. 
we we tried to go and present ourselves to the board um, and it was a, a, a bit of a struggle for about four years until finally my opportunity came and to, to make my voice heard and I really I really want to honor and uh, bless and and you know just uh, to to give praise to the Lord for our leaderships as well. You know our elders um, that are there um, are always you know trying to see you know what what is what God is doing. And I remember going into you know our meeting, our board meeting, and you know presenting the facts and you know just kind of uh, letting them know where we are, what we've been doing, what we've how we've been working with the community, you know how structure of the church works and you know they were just so amazed and um you know I, I clearly um you know i'm not trying to name call or anything you know i'm not trying to you know blast any pastor or anything but you know i remember um um pastor burnett you know one of the phrases that he told me he said brother you're not you're not running you know you're maybe he said you're not walking you're you're running and you're running in giant steps you know and I really thank him and, you know, a lot of the elders who saw potential, you know, they saw, um, you know, a ministry, they saw what we were doing and they believed in it and they invested themselves into it. And they gave, they gave me the opportunity to, to be able to continue forward and, you know, to get an ordained license and just to be able to continue just to do what we do. Um, nothing really changed in that sense, but that was really one of the oppositions that we come across and was really just to prove yourself, you know, to prove that, um, uh, that you're, you're genuine, uh, on your calling and that your calling comes from God It's not, you know, not just saying, Oh, I want to be a pastor and, you know, I'm gonna start up a work and there we started it and there we go. No, you know, and I believe truly with all my heart. And with all all my strength and all my beliefs and all my faith that you know the 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 calling on your life it, it has to come from God. Whether just like you said, you know, whether it's leading your children, whether leading you know a congregation or a church, wherever position you hold, you know, know that that position uh, uh, is because God has placed you in. If you have a desire for it, if you have a passion for it, you know, go for it, strive and and push yourself you know, to be able to meet that goal. One thing I've learned is that, you know, you, you, n none of the desires that we have are actually ours, but it's the desires that God places in our hearts, you know, and you're always going to face opposition no matter what, but every one of those obstacles and every one of those oppositions that you face will always make you stronger and will always, um, more importantly, you know, um, place your dependency completely on God. And, and you know that, you know, whenever hardship comes, he's the one that's going to bring you out of it. When, you know, false testimony comes, you know, you pray before the Lord and, and Lord, you know, I have not done this. You know that uh, this is uh, what my heart is and you know, this is not true. And you just, you just maintain yourself firm on God and he will bring you out of it. You know, just one of the things is that, uh, the Bible lets us know you shall judge of a tree by the fruit it bears. You know, a lot of these things are meant, you know, to discourage you. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to bring opposition. He wants to bring you out of the calling from God. He wants you just to throw that towel in. But really, if anything, those things are meant to make you stronger. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, even to this day, you know, you, 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 you do face that where your, your age sometimes can be, you know what? 
you're still too young or, you know, people see you that, oh, okay, but uh, I'm blessed and I'm, I'm very honored to be able to minister to a congregation where um, our youngest couple basically is our worship, uh, part of our worship team. Other than that, everybody else is really older than I am. And, you know, that just to me goes to show that it's not about the age, but, you know, it's the way you perceive yourself, the maturity that you have in God. And the more you grow in God, God lifts you up no matter what the circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fantastic answer, if you ask me. And I know that you don't need to hear from me, but even in your five years in, you're doing a phenomenal job leading the church, phenomenal job listening to the voice of God, listening to calling, being obedient with all of that, and then just being sensitive to the spirit wherever it is that God is trying to lead you. And I know, like I said, you don't need to hear from me, but I see that. And I see that from the from the time that I met you till now, the things that you post up on Facebook, you're you're invested completely and in not doing it just for any other reason, but truly for listening to the calling of God over your life. And you recently remodeled. Tell me a little bit about that. The, the, the church looks fantastic from the time that I visited and from what I've seen now on Facebook. It looks fantastic. It looks amazing. Talk to me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been the most wonderful journey and the most uh, beautiful experience of all time. You know, just recently last night, I posted some of the pictures of, you know, the day one, you know, the day one in the sanctuary where we are now uh, and where we have grown. But Honestly, you know, um, one of the things is it, it was a little scary. I'm going to be very truthful. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I know we, we say, you know, you have fear of love of God has not been perfected in you. And, you know, but it's just kind of like you, you you stumble in the leadership. You, you just don't know what, what to hold in the future. But if you're obedient to the Lord, he's going to guide you through it. But right. uh, just remember the last time you came, you know, we, we were only in, in half of, of where we are now. Um, and we just started to outgrow ourselves to, to a point that we didn't fit. You know, we were literally all the way to the door uh, and we were ministering, you know, to the community. We were doing a lot of work in the community that all of a sudden, you know, the church just started to get packed and praying to the Lord. I say, you know, we were just Lord, you know, we, we really want to grow. Um, you know, I want you to guide us, whether it's to go to another sanctuary, you know, and rent something else or buy something else. We were working to buy property. But, you know, I said, Lord, it's what you want, not what we want. It, whatever you want, that's what we're going to do. And I remember praying about it. And there was a business next door, um, you know, and we had always been praying for us to be able to expand either next door because we really didn't want to leave the area because the area we are, it's just great. It's a, an area that, you know, real, real, real traffic, you know, within that community, within the neighborhood. Um, and you always want to seek that, you know, if you always want to, uh, you know, just a tip of advice for anybody who wants to start up a, a plant, uh, a church, uh, definitely you always want to, you know, look at your area. You never want to be in an area where you're too isolated, even though I know that God can always bring the, the, the growth to that area, but, you know, always think about, you know, your, your location, because if you have an area where it's very traffic and, you know, people are going to know where you are. Um, but definitely, um, whenever we, we, we started praying, uh, you know, some, uh, a fortunate situation happened with the business owners next door. Um, and we just kind of were surprised and we started to, to definitely pray about it. We started to pray about it. And 
you know, we started holding prayer on it and we have an awesome, awesome um, prayer uh, warrior. Uh, you know, she's our leader, uh, Sister Victoria. And, you know, I would always tell her sister, you know, just pray. This is this is our petition. You know, this is, this is what we need to be praying on it. You know, she was just praying on it, praying on it. And, you know, she just started uh, calling out to God. And, you know, I always knew that the the owner of the business, uh, his wife was, you know, Pentecostal. I'd never met her. I just knew that she was part of, of oneness and part of what we believe in. Um, and we just started, you know, just to call out to the Lord, just like you said, you know, call forth those things that are not as if they were. Um, we, we, we started calling upon the Lord and, you know, the, the most amazing thing happened the following week. Um, you know, on that Monday, I, I went to go to the main office to, to present the check to, to pay rent. And there she was, you know, she, she just, uh, saw me get off my truck. She just led by the spirit, came on, uh, wanted to talk to, to me. And all of a sudden came to the church and she said, wow, you're doing wonderful work. She said, I hear, uh, uh, there's, there's a, the place next door is, is going to be open. Um, and we had already just talked to the, the owner about expanding and he said, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll give it to you, but you have to wait a certain time. You have to wait till this day. And, you know, at, First, it was like, well, we need to move. And uh, we saw that as a time to start working and to, you know, to start uh, just working to gain funds and, you know, just, you know, making all kinds of fundraisers and everything and talk to uh, our main core of the church. And, you know, I told them, what do y'all think? You know, do we, do y'all want to go to a different location or do we rent out the next, the next, the building next door and we expand? And, you know, there's one brother that I, that I, I hold very dearly. Uh, and, you know, he told me, pastor, you know, he said, let's do it. And the next thing you know, everybody just, just said, let's do it. Let's do it. We were all in one accord. We all got, we all got in one mindset and we said, all right, let's do it. So we, we started to work, you know, Lord just brought us with the funds, just blessed us in abundant ways. And next thing you know, the, the, the state came, we got the key. And we started just to work, you know, we started just to tear everything down. Um, tearing down is the easiest part. The building back up is the, the, the part where it's more difficult if, you know, you, you don't plan it right. If, if you, you're just kind of going out and go at it in a blind, blind, blind mindset. But I just knew that, you know, one thing that God has taught me is that, uh, According to the word, he always gives us uh, what we need through the spirit. He gives us a vision. He gives us how we're going to do it. And I was so amazed because, you know, I've worked construction my whole life. I've done carpentry. I've done uh, framing uh, most of my entire life. And that's how we've been able to do a lot of the work in the church. Um, but never had I done nothing of this magnitude. This is a huge project. You know, this is, you're talking about a twenty or thirty thousand uh, dollar, you know, renovation project yeah. where, you know, a lot of the things that we were doing and we're doing it by ourselves. And we started just to work. You know, at first it's a little scary because you're like, man, how are we going to do it here? How are we going to do it? And you start to work, and and everything just kind of starts to fall in place. But the most exciting part of the whole construction, you know, was tearing that wall down. You know, it just seemed like when we tore that wall down, I, I kid you not, it, it was exciting, you know, because you're like, wow, we're, we're, you know, expanding our territory. We're, you know, making the sanctuary bigger. And one of the things that we also 
sometimes we detain our growth if, if we just kind of stay where we are. If, if, if we expand and we believe God and we trust God, he's going to bless us no matter what. He's going to provide no matter what. And just like you said, if you're, you're attentive to the spirit, if you're listening to God, he's going to guide you. He's going to provide uh, no matter what. And we tore the wall down all of a sudden, you know, uh, it was just something that it was so amazing. And the first service that we had with the wall tore down, we had a plastic, uh, you know, up, uh, up and it was a little hot, but, uh, we couldn't have normal church because, you know, the pulpit was all broken down and, you know, we had a little small speaker, but we said, we're going to have church no matter what. And, yeah. and it couldn't stop. Yeah. It couldn't stop. And, but it, in that, in the midst of that, we, we, we did have a huge battle that arose, you know, the enemy, you know, did, did come and try to, you know, discourage us and try to, you know, try to deviate and distract us from the, the objective that we were trying to obtain, but God brought us out of it. And, you know, just like the Bible says, you know, resist the devil and he shall flee. And, you know, we just resisted and we thanks to the Lord has been, has been to this day. So exciting. Yeah. It's been a lot of sleepless nights. It's been nights where, you know, we're, we're working. We've been work. We were working until like 12, one o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, sometimes till two or three or four o'clock in the morning uh, to, to just, to, just to push, you know, uh, because I feel that when we're going to construct, we just can't stop. And, and I, and I find myself like Nehemiah's when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, yeah. you know, sometimes you're, you're building the wall, you're building the wall and you can get tired, you can get weary. You know, the enemy tries to come in and discourage you by, you know, bringing basically gossip into the people and, you know, the people get discouraged and they want to stop working. But, you know, Nehemiah comes in and he just encourages them and lets them know, hey, the God we serve, he's the one that's going to bring us out of it. You know, he's going to give us a victory. And, you know, just, just you hold on to that. Uh, and and I believe that, you know, God can bring you out of it. And we just we just took that. We took that and, and we just said, this is what we're going to do. Um, and we just kept going forward, kept going forward. Um, it's not been easy. We posted on Facebook. Facebook looks awesome. Looks great. The pictures look, you know, real, real beautiful, but it, it has been, uh, done with a lot of sacrifice. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you have service and you're sitting in that sanctuary and you can see people broken down in the presence of God, when you see people turning their life around, when you see people, you know, giving their life to Christ, you know, young people are trying to find a passion, you know, in the Lord. And, you know, you, 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 you say it's all worth it. Every tear, every sweat, every uh, sleepless night that you work in that place, in that sanctuary, into the building, into, you know, the planning of the church, into whatever you want to do, it, it, it is very well worth it when you see people come to Jesus. You know, at the end of the day, our main goal, our main purpose, our, our main objective is to bring people to the Lord and, and have them experience what we have experienced, you know. Absolutely. And you guys are doing a phenomenal job with that. You know, I know that you mentioned that it comes with a lot of sacrifice. The team that are back, that is backing you up, the, 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 the group that you lead that is backing you up, you're doing a fantastic job. And I would definitely recommend for our audience, whoever's listening, they find themselves in anywhere in East Houston or anywhere in the city and they're looking for a Spanish church. You're obviously bilingual. You could reach out to them in English and Spanish and you could all you can explain the, the gospel to them. 
I'm going to put a link in the description where they can connect with you and where they can find you and your church. I would love for them to come visit if they find themselves in that, in that space. So one of the things also that you mentioned is the opposition that you experienced as the church. And from what I know and what we see in the Bible, from when the church back in the New Testament began and it started expanding and they started be, uh, preaching the gospel till now, here we are after pandemic and everything. One of the things yeah. that is most resilient is the church. So many things come and go. Fashion comes and goes. Seasons come and go. You name it, it has a lifespan. But the church, the, the, the church body is one of the most resilient things that you will ever experience. And from what I've seen, the church, if you look at the history of the church, it's been through so many, so many different things. And we know that the, the church is not the building itself. We're the, we're the church body, right? The people. Yeah. And we, we, we go there and we celebrate. We, we're equipped. But yeah. the church is resilient. Yeah. And regardless of whatever you face, it is going to be persistent. So yes, changing sir. gears a little bit, now that you're established and now you have to lead it. You're five years in now. You, you went through expansion. You went through the remodel. You face some opposition. And there's leadership in, in all of those phases, right? But now in the times that we're living in, so many things are changing. People change. The way that people think changes. Uh, culture around us changes. And there's so many things that we're presented with because of, um, because of the media and the way that they present it. People are so easily offended nowadays. And some people may be very open, very opinionated, and they can express themselves very freely, and that's okay. Do you find it more important than ever to be more thoughtful with our words from the pulpit in order to resonate with people, in order to better resonate, I would say, with people? Definitely, definitely. Um, one of the things is, uh, it's like now we're, we're, you know, part of the teaching that I'm doing with uh, our um, arts of preaching class is, you know, letting them know it's, it's, it's not what you say, but how you say it. Um, you know, we don't change the message. The message will remain the same. The message has been the same, um, you know, through, uh, you know, the, the New Testament church and, and the time of the apostles till, the, till today. You know, that's never going to change. But, you know, it's, it's not how you say it, but not what you say, but how you say it. Um, you know, with the culture changing nowadays, you know, you, you, it seems like now you need to explain a little bit more um, and to let people know uh, and basically bring it down to uh, so they can be able to understand. You know, one of the things that the Apostle Paul did do, uh, where he talks about in uh, Corinthians, in First Corinthians, I think it's chapter nine, where he talks about him, you know, you know, making himself like the Jews, making himself like the Gentiles. He's yeah. basically bringing himself down to the level of people so that they can understand. And I think that even as, as the time of Paul and the apostles, even today, you know, cultures change, generations and everything, but you still have to, you know, bring yourself down to be able to reach and, and reach across the table to no matter what group of people. And we see that through the word of God. 
You see that from the the four gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, each book is uh, pretty much uh, you know edited to reach a certain uh, a crowd. You know, uh, like Matthew to the Jews, Mark to uh, the Romans, Luke to the Greek, and John to the church. You you have each apostle you know, directing their writings to each group of people. So I just think that if you are able to come and sit down across the board and talk in that term to each individual, then they would be able to understand. Um, it's kind of like, you know, one thing I've learned is it's like you're going to talk to a doctor. You're going to talk uh, doctor's terms. If you're going to talk to a nurse, you know, I, I recently worked for a hospice a company and, and when I first went in I didn't know what a UTI uh you know was a u- urinary tract infection or I didn't know the the term you know but then whenever I was fa- finally you know told what it was oh you know I didn't even you just kind of they just say the abbreviation but then when they spread uh, express it all out you know what it is so it's kind of like that here you have to really communicate and uh, find a way to communicate effectively um, sometimes uh, you can't, it's kind of like that saying, you can't expect a different result doing the same thing. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, people are sometimes yeah. are hurt. You know, there's people that come to church are hurt. They've been hurt either uh, at another church or another organization or people just hurt in the world. And, you know, they come to church and, they, and if your messaging sounds like if you're, um, you know, condemning people and you're condemning them to hell. You know, they're going to be like, oh, you know, they're going to be turned off by it. But if you if you express the message differently, saying, you know what, Jesus came to, to die on a cross for us. You know, he died because he saw potentially he, you know, when the world sees that you're worthless to God, you know, you're priceless because he died on the cross for you. You know, that means that there's really no price to or there's really no value to you, no actual price that you can put. Uh, a price or a value price to your life because you know Jesus saw it fit to die for you. You know if if we we can say the same message, you know, but just in a different way that you know it draw people into the kingdom. You know, unfortunately, when you're when you you go out and you condemn people, you know, unfortunately, it turns people off. And yeah. we want to bring people to the Lord. We want to bring people and let people know that. You know, we, we, you know, God loved me. He did this with me. You know, I was a sinner. I, I was a drunkard. Uh, you know, I, I was involved in drugs and all kinds of stuff, you know, but, you know, this was me. And, and now I'm here to tell you that there's hope for you. You know, Jesus died on you on the cross for you. He loves you. And um, this world, you know, unfortunately now with everything that we see, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's just all we need is to show the, the world the love that, you know, God showed us, you know, the Bible, the Bible says the Lord, the Lord, uh, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, you know, so not that they perish for that. Everybody can be saved through him. Absolutely. But definitely, definitely. I feel that wording is very important. Um, you know, taking in consideration everything, you know, tell the truth. Don't, don't go away from the truth, you know, preach it as it is. But, you know, uh, always as one of my instructors, one of one of my favorite instructors, uh, brother Samuel Menisala, as 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 you 
taught us in CTM. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you, you bring, you hit the wound, you stab them a little bit, but then you, you kind of, you know, rub, rub it. And, you know, you, know, you, you kind of comfort him. Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. You know, you, you, you cut where it needs to be cut to relieve the pain or relieve the situation. But at the same time, you, you treat it, you know, so that that wound can be able to grow strong and that person can remain in the kingdom of God. So yeah. that's very important. What a great illustration. You know, if you think about it, whenever you're addressing a, a deep wound in the body, it's never comfortable whenever they pour that peroxide or they pour that cleaning product. It always stings a little bit. But in the end, whenever the medicine kicks in and it begins the healing process, uh, it, it just it goes from there. That's a great illustration. I love that. One of the things that you mentioned is about Paul being being relatable to people. And he became all things to different people to be able to reach them. He said, so I could save some. And that speaks too much to us. And one of the most powerful ways that I have found to reach people and to impact people with the gospel is relating to them, meeting them where they are, and not so much pointing out the wrongdoings and the shortcomings, because we all have those. We all have them. And not pointing those out, but meeting them where they are. So now we find ourselves in this time where we're having to meet different expectations or there's different expectations existing in people. And people see you as a pastor, as a leader, and you have to meet and confront the different expectations. How do you effectively minister and serve a a diverse body with different needs? Everybody comes from a different culture, different age groups. You can't obviously talk to your elders the same way that you talk to your youth group, obviously, for obvious reasons, different family backgrounds. There's people that have grown up in wholesome families. Then you got people that have come from broken homes, which is very common nowadays, unfortunately. So with all of that in mind, how do you effectively minister and serve a diverse body with different needs? Well, definitely, um, well, number one, in 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 a sense of you try to work um, in different strategies, basically to reach uh, certain people. In uh, in a general service, um, you know, you you preach the word, you try to be as communicative and as clear as possible. Um, going back to wording, you know, it's uh it's important to. Uh, come across with a clear understanding of what you're trying to um, communicate to them and what is it that they need. You know, one thing that I definitely have um, come across is that we have to be able to generalize, you know, our um, preaching and sermons to reach everybody. And explain it to a sense where everybody can understand it. Um, information is very important and key. Um, using using illustrations also are very important. But one of the strategies that we are doing now and in, in, in a growing body, you know, you can't continue to do the same thing over and over again. Expect to say have uh, the same growth that you're having. And, you know, you, you experience growth pains when, you, when you're growing and you have people coming in. So you always find ways to be able to reach or to, to have people's needs met, um, you know, in, um, how can I say, in the, 
general sense, you basically create ministries to reach everybody. So for example, one of the things that we're doing now is that we didn't have before, you know, because it was always a one-on-one with the pastor, you know, and usually it was a pastor, the one that that's, uh, you know, giving all the sermons and usually doing all the home Bible studies. Now that the church has grown, you know, it's, it's not necessarily always a pastor that has, that can go out because, you know, you're, you're involved in 20,000 different things. So it's always important to put in place ministries that can reach uh, a certain uh, person or a certain culture, a certain uh, age group because of that. So for example, you know, one of the things that did start now is the new life classes. We got a, a awesome brother uh, who has been helping us out, you know, Brother Cruz, he's, he's, he's experienced in his background. And I just felt that, you know, God is sending people. One thing I've learned is God always sends people to help the need. And just like you said, uh, when there's a need um, or when there's a need, you know, that's when you start to see certain things put into place. And seeing the growth, seeing the different types of age groups and culture changes, you want to be able to plug things in place so that everybody can grow and also not burn yourself out. So we started the new life classes now. Um, You know, it's about 13 sessions, uh, 13 classes uh, where, you know, it pretty much goes into depth. um, Everything that, you know, we believe in uh, according to the word of God and we try to connect with every age group and we try to uh, express what we want through those teachings and try to get people to understand. Uh, I had a Bible study with, one, with a young man. Uh, his name is Lewis. You know, he's a, he's a young man. He, he just got baptized in Jesus name, you know, recently went to youth camp and came back. He was like, pastor now, now I'm a, I'm going to start worshiping. So show the church how we worship, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember having a Bible study with him, you know, he never understood a lot of the terms that the Bible, you know, teaches, you know, he doesn't really understand a lot of the meanings behind it. But when you break it down for them and you, you, you let them know and explain to them what that means, then that's when they understand. Um, because it's just like I said, when you talk to a doctor, you're going to talk to doctor's terms. When you talk to a lawyer, you're going to talk law, when you talk to an officer, a police officer, you're going to talk about things that, you know, pertain to a police officer. So you want to be able to communicate effectively through each body or each group or each age based upon their experiences. So uh, I've been able to thank the Lord that uh, not only am I young, but at the same time, you know, you, uh, I always tell people I'm a young man with an old soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. I love your story. I love your testimony. And just before we close out, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about and things that one of the things that actually I see as a theme in this conversation with you and your story, your testimony is when there's a need, it equals to an opportunity. And we often see the need because it's very apparent, very obvious, but we don't always see the opportunity. And in your case here, with so many needs, you said you were uh, you were doing a lot of one-on-one counseling, but then it comes to a point where it's like, well, there's not enough of me to go around to meet all these different needs. So the opportunity there would be, okay, well, let's open up some ministry. And part of leadership And I really want people to understand this, especially young leaders, and I want them to be inspired by your story because from that need, it led to an opportunity and maybe an opportunity that you as a leader were probably not going to fulfill. But 
as a leader, you were putting people in position. And that right there is just letting the church body and letting God do what he's going to do. And the same thing that how he used your story to begin the church, that opened doors that you don't even see that are existing actually years down the road for other people to open more doors for other people. And the needs equals opportunities and putting people in position are always going to lead to growth, in my opinion. And that's just a little something that I've learned along the way. And I see as a theme here, uh, working with you also. So as we close out, Pastor Longoria, feel free to close us out with a thought, uh, whatever you feel in your heart right now for the church uh, whatever it is that you feel for the people, um, for the audience, if you care to share some resources, maybe music, books, um, whatever has been helpful to you to develop. Um, I, I feel that that's very important. You know, in our leadership, one of the highest callings is developing other people. And you're definitely doing that with putting people in position with the ministries that they're, that they're beginning and they're starting and growing to assist the church. But I give you the floor. Feel free to close us out with whatever's on your heart, on your mind. And if you care to share any kind of resources that have been helpful for you in any kind of way, any topic, feel free. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, definitely, definitely one of the things that I push our uh, young leaders definitely is always create a team. One of the resources that has helped me to learn um, more is. Um, there's a book called 70 Everyone Needs a Team by Dr. Eugene T. Wilson. And I have to be honest with you, when I read that book, it was so clear and understanding for me, you know, in, in a young pastor's mind, wanting to grow, wanted to see the growth, wanted to, you know, see people um, grow in ministry and bring people to the Lord. And as soon as I, I read this book, uh, 70, Everyone Needs a Team, it really opened up my mind to understand that we have to have an open mind or an open mind and an open hand, that whatever the God, the Lord gives us, we have to always give out. And, you know, as we see even in, in the Bible, as Moses, you know, uh, as uh, the 70, the 70 elders that were filled with the presence of the Lord, where the Bible told Moses, you know, you know, choose all the elders, elders of Israel, and I will place your spirit upon them. Um, it's always important, create teams. I know that every church has their experience. They're going to have their, uh, different, um, oppositions. They're going to have their different ways of growth. Not everything that happened to me is going to happen to everybody. It's always going to be different. But, you know, always understand that if you want to grow, you have to put in place team. I got to admit, I have the best team and I give a shout out to my team, you know, our worship team from New Life, um, you know, our, our um, women's uh, leader, our uh, home Bible group leader, um, our New Life leader. Every one of our team members, every minister from the church, you know, have really worked and have really allowed themselves to be molded um, and guided uh, as to far as where the Lord has uh, given me and, and allowed me to be able to lead them. But always lift up your people. Always, uh, you know, see the best in everybody. A lot of times we see the imperfections into certain people and we kind of, you know, 
hesitate sometimes, but always uh, one thing you have to go and see what can be uh, definitely helpful for that person, you know. So it's always important for you to uh, lift up your team, lift up your team, create a team where uh, that are going to help you out, expand yourself through ministries. I know sometimes it's difficult and we always want to hold on to what God has given us. And we always want to hold on to a position, but you know, God didn't call us to be dictators. God called us to be ministers and we have to be kingdom minded. You have to be kingdom minded. And, and I'll leave with this. If you always keep in mind that you've been called for the kingdom and you're growing the kingdom and that is our main purpose. So what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? It means that basically you have to lose yourself and, you know, not wanting to seek your own recognition, not wanting to seek your own personal gain, you know, because all of that will come in, in abundance, you know, but the more you humble yourself, the more you die to the flesh, the more you die to the desires of recognition, the more you die to the desires of wanting to have uh, an, uh, a name that is known within the organization. You know, what matters the most is not what you can do, but what God can do through you. You know, the more you humble yourself, the more God will lift you up. So kingdom-minded means that it's less of you, it's less about you, and it's less about what you can do, but more about what God can do through you, you know, what God is going to do through you, and, you know, about how God can be able to use uh, you as a vessel in your ministry to reach people, to bring them to, to the kingdom, to win their souls. And there's always a compensation at the end. You know, remember, the book of James talks about the comp the the the. Re the compensation that God is going to give us if we bring souls to the kingdom. Number one is our eternity and our salvation, you know, but also, you know, every person that we bring to the kingdom of heaven and they repent, they will cover multitude of sins. So the, the best thing about it is to know that these things are there to help us out, to uh, basically have a compensation from the Lord. Absolutely. Pastor Longoria, it's been truly an honor and a pleasure to have you on this platform. And I really want to encourage anybody that is in our audience, if you find yourself anywhere near East Houston or anywhere part of Houston and you're looking for a church, seek out Pastor Longoria. He is leading tremendously, leading a phenomenal church there. And it's growing and truly the hand of God is over his ministry and the work that you're doing. Pastor Longoria, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your uh, your words of wisdom. Thank you for being transparent with your story. And I know that it's going to encourage so many people and inspire so many others. And uh, thank you so much for being on. I'm very appreciative of the time that you have shared with us. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. And I just hope that it blesses uh, many people. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, I would like to thank you for being part of our conversation today. I will leave some links in the description below where you can connect with Pastor Ulysses Langoria. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love for you to subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. Also, you could help us reach others by leaving a good rating. Feel free to leave a review or by sharing it on social media. And that would mean so much to me. 
In the meantime, I would love to connect with you. In the description below, you will also find some links where we can connect. Let me know how this was helpful to you via a message or a comment. For now, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer in becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.